Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you guys, and I'm not just saying that. I was just mentioning to our guest before we got on the air today that it's not us, it's not anything that we're doing, that this podcast continues to be on the air and growing in our audience, because you guys share it. Of course, you guys pray for our protection and for God's provision. Thank you so much. There's always spiritual warfare when you're trying to do kingdom work. But uh, we really thank you for that. Uh, before we get to the topic, and by the way, the second half of the podcast, we'll be going over a lot of uh, news stories and headlines, uh, many of them. Um, so many things going on in different outlets in our culture, major institutions, government, um, Planned Parenthood throwing a record $50 million into the midterm elections coming up. Um, and by the way, they get federal money, they get our tax dollars, and then they put it into um, elections and also interesting headline from Pfizer, um, f- not from Pfizer, but on this study, forty-four percent of pregnant women miscarried after receiving the Pfizer vaccine. Um, censorship is increasing. Interestingly enough, uh, a lot of conservative sites and groups, and it's interesting the timing because we know those midterm elections here in America uh, coming up in November. Um, children's health defense has been deplatformed on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, North, North Dakota school board voted to uh, stop the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, how about this one? An all-female Nashville school is now going to allow any student who identifies as female. In other words, female school is going to allow boys. Um, so this is what's happening throughout our culture. But right now we're going to talk about more important things. Uh, before we get to our guest, Three weeks from today, if I'm looking at the calendar correctly, the Prophecy Conference in Appleton, Wisconsin, is going to take place. You will be able to watch it online, and it's called Perilous Times, the Great Lakes Prophecy Conference. I'm blessed to be able to be speaking there, along with uh, Curtis Bowers, Chris Quintana, Jeff Solwald, Andy Woods, Jeremy Higgins, and you can get all the information at ccappleton.org. Or we'll start posting it as it gets closer to the conference as well. But that's coming up September 9, 10, and 11. So heads up on that. Now let's get to some more important. We're talking global issues and the biblical worldview today. And we've got a guest today, Joel Veldkamp. He's calling from Switzerland. And we're going to talk about Christian persecution worldwide and uh, what people are trying to do, what organizations are doing, particularly Christian Solidarity International. Uh, Joel is with that organization. He was born and raised in Iowa, though, but he currently lives in Geneva, Switzerland. And he lived in Damascus, Syria, and also worked as an English teacher and uh, now has been with CSI. Um, and, Joel, I just want to bring you in right now so we can get to the uh, interview. Joel, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth, brother. Thanks so much, David. It's great to be here. Well, good to hear you and get a nice connection from Switzerland. We're blessed by that because we always wonder how that's going to sound <laughs> over the uh, phone lines. Um, so you are the communications officer for CSI, Christian Solidarity that's International. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. So I've been receiving that's your right. emails, your e-newsletters for quite some time, and I wanted to introduce you to our audience and get more information on what you do. Um, and I just want to mention recently you presented some firsthand evidence of anti-Christian sectarian violence in Nigeria. Your organization and several others have been frustrated with the U.S. government's policy regarding Nigeria, and there are increasing violent attacks against Christian communities that we've heard in news outlets, conservative news outlets, particularly by Fulani Muslim militias. And uh, I don't know if there people are doing enough to try to stop this, but your organization is trying to raise awareness. Tell us about Christian Solidarity International. Yeah, thanks so much, David. So uh, CSI, Christian Solidarity International, was founded in 1977, and it's all in the name, right? We believe that all Christians around the world are one body, and when part of the body is under attack, the other parts of the body should respond. Amen. Um, so my 
my boss, our president, Dr. John Eibner, often says our mission is to repair the nervous system of the body of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if there's a rusty nail sticking through your foot, your hand is going to respond. It's just by instinct, right? But sometimes it seems like uh, Christians in the West or Christians in different parts of the world have lost that instinct to respond immediately when the other parts of the body are attacked, uh, especially in the political realm. Um, so we're trying to shine a light on the areas where Christians are most attacked, where sometimes the very existence of Christian communities is at stake. Um, and often, unfortunately, uh, U.S. government policy is either apathetic towards these Christians or actively hostile uh, because the interests of the U.S. and the world are not the same as the interests of the body of Christ. Hmm. So we're always trying, you know, we, we do give uh, humanitarian aid in 14 different countries to persecuted Christians. We help Christians who are in prison with legal aid. We try to get people out of slavery in Sudan. So we're on the ground, wow. but we're also trying to really get the word out and get Christians to think of themselves as part of this international body of Christ and see what they can do in their own political spheres to help their brothers and sisters who are being persecuted. So, Joel, can people sign up for the newsletter on your website? And 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 I want to give that site out. Is that the best place to sign up for the newsletter? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, it is csi-usa.org. csi-usa.org. Christian Solidarity International. And before we get into more of your organization, some of the issues that are happening. and some of the stories we're, we're hearing about, those of us who are informed and try to keep up with our, our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, uh, give us a little bit of background. You're from Iowa. You ended up in Switzerland. Yes. Now, I've, I've got your bio here, and it's, it's uh, uh, pretty diverse. I mean, uh, you've got a master's degree in Middle Eastern Studies from the University of Chicago, a Ph.D. in History. Um, you, says, mention, you mentioned something about uh, Christians of Aleppo. Uh, that you did a dissertation about. Tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to CSI. Yeah, so I was so blessed uh, when I was a college student at Dort College in Iowa. Shout out to anyone who knows that one, the small Christian (laughs) college. But I I got to go to Egypt on a semester abroad. Wow. And um, it was just an utterly life-changing experience for me. And I I just really wanted to get back to the Middle East after after I did that semester. So as soon as I graduated, I found this job teaching English in Damascus, and I went there. It was September 2010. Um, I lived there for nine months and made wonderful friends. Some of the best friends in my life are, are from Syria. And uh, in March 2011, a revolution started in Syria. Um, hmm. And I really came to that event with... I would say my American lenses on, uh-huh. right? and I thought, oh, you know, Syria has a dictator. This revolution is going to be good. It's going to bring democracy. It's going to bring, you know, freedom of speech. All these good things that Syria doesn't have. Mm. They can be more like America, and that'll be great. And my Syrian Christian friends were terrified. <laughs> they were absolutely terrified at what was happening to their country. And they told me, Joel, you do not understand. <laughs> this is going to be a disaster for Syria. This is going to be a disaster for Syrian Christians. And I thought, oh, they're, they're so, you know, brainwashed. And <laughs> they were completely right. They, right? Wow. they were 100% right. Well, what happened? And well, what happened was that the, the Syrian revolution was very quickly overtaken by the people who were most willing to use extreme violence. Mm. And those were the jihadists. Yeah. Right. And that did not stop the United States from supporting them, nor did it stop the United States' other allies in the region and in Europe from supporting them. And so we got a 10-year civil war. Um, and two-thirds of Syria's Christians have now left the country. Um, huge parts of the country are in ruins. Uh, there are entire sections of the country that are what we call religiously cleansed, right? It used to be a place where Muslims and Christians and Druzes and Alawis would all live together, and now it's only Muslims. Mm. Because when the jihadists come in, they, they kick people out of their homes or they kill them. Um, so, yeah, and I, I always come back to that because I thought how... How did I get that so wrong, and why was I not willing to listen to my Syrian brothers and sisters in Christ when they told me, this is our country, we know what this is, we know what's coming. Um, And so, and and for the past, you know, 10 years, as the war in Syria has played out and it's gotten worse and worse, and U.S. policy has made it worse and worse, um, I I was just grieved to the heart. Uh, But what I so appreciate about Christian Solidarity International is that it's not 
an American organization, right? It's an organization that starts from the perspective of our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ, mm -hmm. listens to them, and then goes from there, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, so we've been advocating for Syrian Christians. We've been advocating for an end to support to these jihadist rebels in Syria. And we've been advocating for an end to the economic sanctions on Syria, which are really destroying the economy of the country, causing mass hunger. Uh, over half of the country is, is hungry now. Wow. Which has never happened since World War One. Wow. It was, it was a well-fed country, you know. Um, so that's what CSI is about. We're about listening to our persecuted brothers and sisters and then advocating for them and yeah. meeting their material needs when we can. That must be a, a huge challenge, Joel, because as you know, a lot of people turn a blind eye to the truth and the fact of Christian persecution around the world. And I don't know what, I mean, I understand why our American media doesn't want to talk about it. They are completely against the biblical worldview, so it's not a, not a priority to them. But around the world, um, it must be daunting to try to raise that awareness, knowing that uh, this is happening in so many different countries. And um, what do you think happened to the point where we don't, we do, it's almost like we don't care. It's not like we don't care. But people just don't want to acknowledge it. Is it too much as the violence or is it too daunting for some people to want to talk about or, or admit that it's going on? What are your thoughts? I, I do think it's too much sometimes. I do think it's too complicated sometimes. But most of all, I think the, the way the media operates around the world um, these days, and not only secular media, but Christian media in general, um, is directed in an, I want to choose my words carefully here. Sure. Um, when a reporter at the Washington Post wants to know something about Syria, right, they, they, they tend to call people, their contacts in the U.S. State Department, right? And when the U.S. State Department wants to talk about something, that becomes news. So media tends to follow the government where the government leads. Hmm. And it's very hard to chart a different course from the government narrative yep. about something. Um, so, yeah, a lot of these issues, we, we feel like sometimes we're screaming in the wilderness and uh, not getting listened to very much. And it can be very, as I'm sure you know and your listeners know, very difficult to navigate yes. a media environment where things seem so complicated. Um, <clears throat> but we were convinced that the body of Christ should be more united, right? The, the, the church in the U.S. should have more direct links to churches in Armenia, in Syria, in Lebanon, in Egypt, in India. We should know what's going on with each other, yes. right? Yes. We're families. There are brothers and sisters. We should Amen. be able to talk. We should be able to talk together and think together about these problems. Amen. And too often it seems like we're all stuck in the little slot of the nation state we were born in. Hmm. Well, I think that's the main problem. That's huge right there. We, we don't have the uh, worldview lens, which is biblical, um, because like you said, I mean, even the early days of Christianity, it spread out over continents, and there was family Absolutely. in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, churches, and we were all in the same family uh, under Jesus. Now, um, it's interesting, Joel, that we hear a lot of stories about the, you know, attacks and the persecution. Uh, we just don't understand our particular region and politics. And by the way, you mentioned um, Damascus, and you uh, you taught English there. Um, I heard someone say, I think it was Amir Sarfati who said, we talk about Bible prophecy often on this podcast, and he said, the world tends to keep an eye on Israel, you know, about world events and tensions in the Middle East. And he said... A lot of people in Israel are keeping their eye on Damascus. So Damascus is a very key spot when it comes to end times Bible prophecy. And no wonder that area, Damascus, Syria, it's a, really a, a hotbed of persecution. Do you have any more thoughts on that? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not very learned in prophecy, I must admit. Mm -hmm. But when I do think about persecution from the biblical perspective, the chapter that always comes to my mind is Revelation chapter 12, mm. right? where we see while Jesus is having his life on earth, in heaven there's a war between the devil and his angels and between Michael and his angels. Mm. And Michael and his angels are stronger, and the devil and his angels are thrown down to the earth. Amen. Yeah, and what right. they do immediately after they're thrown down is they start chasing the church. Yep. Right? They go after, they go after the woman, and they go after the woman's descendants. Yes. And Revelation chapter 12 says the devil is full of rage because he knows that his time is short. Hmm. 
so this is that that's one key passage. The other key passage is, of course, uh, when the Apostle Paul says, "Our fight is not against flesh and blood. Amen. Our fight against, is against the powers and principalities of this world." So we know that the evil one is working through the political structures of this world to try to crush the body of Christ. Yes, and that's the lens that we have to keep on our eyes. I think when we when we read about these stories, when we read these events, you know, this is not always about the U.S. versus Russia. This is not always about India versus Pakistan or whatever. Yeah. This is about the struggle of the powers and principalities to stop the body of Christ from spreading. Amen. Amen. Absolutely right on, Joel. And we tend to forget the spiritual warfare that is very real, and that's at the root, the foundation of everything that's happening on the surface or in the natural realm, so to speak. And I just want to quote Revelation twelve seventeen because you alluded to Revelation 12. It says, Then the dragon was enraged, at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. And doesn't it also say in Revelation that we overcome by the blood, or by our blood the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony? So yes, yeah. it's a very real spiritual war. So back to Christian Solidarity International and in an article that I have. Um, it says. Uh, despite fierce condemnation from human rights defenders in Nigeria and abroad, Nigeria has not been restored to the CPC list. The CPC is country of particular concern. And apparently, am I right that the, the Secretary Blinken, the Biden administration, removed Nigeria from this uh, list of concern regarding religious persecution? Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. So why would last November? See, to most of us who have been watching this and tracking this, Joel, and I'm sure you guys, you have, it, persecution is increasing, attacks and the violence in these attacks, and yet, why would someone remove, especially a country like Nigeria, from this list? Can you explain that to, so some of us can understand? Yeah. So the the geopolitical explanation is that the United States is competing with China and Russia for influence in Western Africa, right? Right. And they see Nigeria as a key ally in that competition. So the U.S. wants the Nigerian government to know, hey, we're on your side, right? We're going to give you what you need, and you're going to give us what we need, and the persecution of Christians is not going to interfere with that. Wow. Right? That's the message that the U.S. government is sending to the Nigerian government, basically. Uh, but the other reason, I think, is because we're not paying attention, Right. Mm -hmm. Normally, when the U.S. government does something controversial like this, they'll at least issue a statement explaining themselves. Yes. There was no explanation. Well, no one's holding them accountable. No one's holding them accountable. No one's raising heck about this, honestly. And Mm -hmm. they knew they could get away with that because people aren't paying attention to Nigeria in particular. You know, I don't don't want to, like, be here lecturing people saying, you're not paying attention, because people do pay attention to the news, I know. Some. But Nigeria (laughs) is a country of 200 million people, and it gets so little press attention, media attention, church attention, and, yeah, that that's why they can get away with it. (laughs) And and they have. And let's face it, friends, now that's our government, but... Uh, it comes back to us as well because we get busy with our lives. We get distracted by whatever technology, entertainment, sports, kids, vacations, and living our best life now. That's one of the, I think, curses that has come into American Christianity that I think we will have to um, hold, and we will be held accountable for that, how we live our lives and and uh, where we put our interests. But I just do want to mention some good news. We've got one minute left before we have to take a break, Joel. Um, I read this article. It says five U.S. senators, at least there's five, <laughs> that are trying yes. to raise awareness on this. Josh Hawley, God bless him, um, strong believer, by the way, pray for Senator Hawley, Marco Rubio, Mike Braun, uh, James Inoff, I think his name is, and Tom Cotton. They've urged the uh, U.S. Secretary of State to get to reinstate Nigeria as a country of particular concern, and they should do this. So when we come back, we're going to take a break. And uh, by the way, we're talking with Dr. Joel Veldkamp, Communications Officer for Christian Solidarity International. Again, the website is csi-usa.org. We're going to talk about a recent attack in how a four-month-old Nigerian boy lost his arm and both of his parents 
in an attack. And more on Stand Up for the Truth and then headlines and news uh, later on. Coming up. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Dr. Joel Veldkamp is here with us. He is with Christian Solidarity International. He's on the phone over in Geneva, Switzerland. It's getting close to supper time for you, Joel. <laughs> here, yes, here it's our mid-morning uh, coffee break coming up. But anyway... Um, we want to talk a little bit about this story. And by the way, I want to mention you can donate, friends, uh, if you are financially able to. We encourage you to prayerfully consider doing that over at csi-usa.org. Uh, donate. You'll see how you can help raise awareness about this. Free the captives. There are thousands enslaved in Sudan alone. Uh, you can tell. You read a little bit more about this uh, Christian human rights organization that uh, I hope we can, as a body, raise more awareness about this issue. So this story, Joel, four-month-old Nigerian boy um, lost his arm to terrorist bullets. And I just want to read a little bit, and I'll let you comment on it. Um, first of all, the violence in what's taking place in Nigeria. Islamic terrorists continue to attack and kill innocent people, most often Christians. Uh, this was a four-month-old young man. He Four months, my goodness. He lost both of his parents in this attack, by members of the Fulani tribe. They broke into the house, shot the father, made their way to the bedroom, shot the mother, and a bullet went through the mother and got into this the baby's arm, four months old. So this was 7.30 p.m. apparently, and one of the brothers rushed in and grabbed the crying baby. And um, then in another compound a few yards away, another group of attackers trapped and killed a father of three and killed him. Um, and two other teenagers were killed in that area. So we'd love to have you just share your thoughts on how often do these attacks. We hear about villages being attacked, but they're going right into homes. Joel, could you uh, share a little bit more about that? Yeah, these attacks happen at least once a week, probably more. But the ones that we hear about are at least once a week. Okay. Um, uh, just yesterday, I read a, a story from a different state in Nigeria where 20 Christians were, were killed in a similar attack. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is uh, an ethnic cleansing campaign, for, for lack of a better term. I think that's probably the best term. Uh, what we're seeing is these militias will just go into villages where Christians live and start killing people. And the object is to get rid of them, either by killing them or terrifying them into running away. And then once they leave the village and the land that surrounds it can be taken. Mm. Um, and our friends in Nigeria say this is part of a deliberate campaign to change the demography of the people who live in this part of Nigeria. We call it the middle belt. It just kind of runs along the middle of the country and divides the Muslim north from the Christian south. And it, it really does seem designed to, mm. to get rid of Christians as a group of people and then take over their land for these, these newcomers. Wow. Um, and this is really what the U.S. government and the Nigerian government don't want to talk about. Right. Uh, they'll talk about Boko Haram and mm -hmm. ISIS and other like terrorist groups that really get the headlines with spectacular attacks. But this slow ethnic cleansing that's happening in the Middle Belt seems to be happening with the complicity of the Nigerian military, which is funded by the United States and United Kingdom. Um, so it's, it's very grim. Wow. And we're just trying to, every time this happens, we try to, to let people know, hey, this is going on right now. The, the fate of Christianity in Nigeria is being mm. decided right now. Wow. Um, and it's at the expense of, yeah, young lives like this, this little baby boy and his parents. It's pretty sobering and heartbreaking when you hear about this. And we can pray and we can donate um, we can also raise awareness by there's a Facebook page for Christian Solidarity International USA, and you can go to that page. That's where I got this story, and there are many, many others. You can raise awareness there. Joel, a couple of minutes left. Um, Dr. John Eibner, president of CSI, is concerned about the situation in Nigeria, of course, and he said it's now at the threshold of genocide. He said, quote, Nigeria has experienced a spike in atrocity crimes committed against Christians since U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken's decision last November in the Biden administration removed Nigeria 
from the uh, the U.S.'s own list of countries of particular concern. I know you can't get into the heads of of politicians and government, you know, agendas and motivations, but why would they do that? And then why all of a sudden are attacks increasing once that decision was made? Can you explain that further? I think the connection there is that the, the removal of Nigeria from the CPC list acts kind of as a green light, right? So whatever groups were wow. holding themselves back before, whatever government officials were kind of saying to their partners in the militia groups, hey, guys, maybe not so many attacks, that's gone now wow. because the United States has announced that it doesn't care, essentially. So they're um, complicit. So I, I, Our own government is complicit. Is, can we say that? Is it fair to say that? I would say that, yes. yeah. Thank you. And if they're not, they should come up with a better explanation than the one they've given. Mm. Um, Heartbreaking. But, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, Joel, um, we've just got a minute or two left. Um, thank you for the work that you're doing, Ed. We'd love to have you on more regularly, frequently. So we'll follow up with, yeah. with Gina and uh, maybe get another report from you, you know, in the fall, a couple months away. And, and we'd love to do that because we really need to be better at raising awareness about this. We we have a guest, uh, Todd Nettleton from Voice of the Martyrs on. We have different organizations. But this is something that really should affect us as in North America um, Christian. So a- any last words before we move on? No, just thank you to all of your listeners who, who feel led to give or even just to pray. Um, mm. It really does make a difference for us on a daily basis. Mm. Just to know that people are praying for us. Holy people loved by the Lord are praying for our work. That just really gets us through some of these days. So thank you, everyone. Well, be encouraged, brother. We're one closer to the Lord's return, and uh, we've just got to keep doing the work. So God bless you, Joel. Thank you for all that you're doing. God bless you, David. Thank you. All right. You're very welcome. Again, uh, Joel Veldkamp, Christian Solidarity International. We'll put the links to the Facebook page and their website at StandUpForTheTruth.com. So, guys, we're going to take another uh, little different veering off in a different direction, just like we did yesterday. Uh, We talked about world issues and global issues when it comes to Christians and our biblical view. And now we have to come back to North America because of all that's happening. And we still look through that biblical lens. So one story I want to get out of the way real quick and just mention this brief stat from Pew Research. Children, by the way, are a blessing, not a burden. That's what God says. That's what the Bible says. But there's a poll over at Michigan State University that was conducted And in Michigan, one in five adults do not want children. And according to the poll, listen to this language. They are child-free. Understand, using the term child-free connotates something like a disease. Child-free. We're free from children. This is the new view of children. One in five adults. in That's in, in Michigan. I don't know what it is nationwide. I would think it might be close, they do not want children and are child-free, according to these um, researchers. So over at Pew Research Center, over 44% of people between 18 and 49 who don't have children said it was, quote, not too or not at all likely that they would ever have children. Uh, Hear that again. We're talking about America. And the lack of – they, they say there's a population problem or explosion. Are you kidding me? Uh, families are not even having kids. And you can look at all kinds of different factors for that reason. Uh, COVID definitely made it worse and other things. But over 44% of people in the age ranges 18 to 49 who do not have children, they said it wasn't too likely or not at all likely they would ever have children. That's – what's going on? One thing I just want to go, before we go on to the, a lot of news headlines, one thing I just want to say, propaganda from the uh, population control crowd, the anti-nationalist crowd claiming that children, this is actually a real claim, children damage the environment. It's total nonsense, but this is what the lefties and the communists and the environmental activists say. Children are not good for the environment, friends. Human life. Because the problem to them is humanity. The problem is there's too many people on the globe, right? I mean, just look, just, just in America. Go to certain states. I mean, Montana, Utah. I, I just mentioned a handful. Idaho. Um, I mean, even Kansas. There's so much open land. 
they're thinking, oh, these big city people that, that end up en- being environmentalists, yeah, they're in New York or L.A., San Francisco, Chicago, you know, Atlanta. They're thinking, of course it's crowded, right? Uh, the population is the problem, but that's not true. It's nonsense. But understand, be, be tuned into this propaganda from the anti-nationalist crowd saying children damage the environment. And, of course, abortionists, what do they want to do? They want to terminate life after conception. doesn't matter how old, whether it's days, weeks, months, you know, in, in the womb. Just eliminate them. Too many kids, too many babies, right? Too so anyway, this is an agenda that's going on. I just wanted to call your attention to that because Americans are having fewer and fewer children. And, um, boy, that's going to be an issue soon. Let's get into the headlines now. Uh, media, we, we talked about the IRS and the beefing up of the IRS and my new article over at Harbinger's Daily. I got into detail a little bit about that and just my commentary on it. And um, it's it, it's what it comes down to is those on the left who are socialists, they're passing these agendas – these massive spending plans, they really think most of them are not agenda-driven. I would call them demonic. Most of them just think they're morally superior to us. That's a fact. That's how they justify some of this awful legislation that hurts more Americans than it helps. I mean, that's an understatement, that it hurts more Americans than it helps. So they're doubling the IRS power. Uh, More Americans are going to be audited. More Americans are going to be paying into the government. So they're using tax dollars to, to pay for this hiring of 87,000 IRS agents, and they're going to inf- use enforcers. Now, this is something that um, communist nations do and dictatorships do. So this is a dangerous time, friends. So the media outlets now, the media outlets are now renaming the, quote, Inflation Reduction Act. This is really interesting, guys. Uh, you know what they're, how they're explaining this? The, the, but the bill that President Biden signed into law, uh, Tuesday. And by the way, I saw a meme on, on, I think it was Instagram. It said, you want to get Biden to resign, just have someone slip his resignation in front of him. He signs anything that's put on his desk. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's signing half the time, I believe. Anyway, as the bill, um, they're calling it a climate and health bill. Some of the media outlets. Some of the uh, socialist, progressive, uh, Marxist media outlets in America, I'm calling it what, what I'm seeing it as. You can describe them however you want. You can say the Democrat media because we have a one-party system now. We do not have fair reporting. We, have, we need to have independent and conservative journalists trying to expose the truth. But they're calling it cl- a climate and health bill. Um, so what's either... Let's see. Let me just say this. Nearly $369 billion is going toward investments in, quote, energy security and climate change. Wow. Do we ever need that? Energy security and climate change. The Biden administration has done nothing but harm America's energy independence. And so they're putting all this money, billions of dollars into energy security, climate change. Boy, that's a really big threat. We know by polls, most polls say, uh, over an overwhelming majority of Americans are not concerned about that. It's not doesn't even make their top ten list, and they're putting billions of dollars into it. This is communist policy. It, it, it is at least socialism on steroids. Um, so they're referring to this as the, a climate and health bill. And let's move on to the next one. Planned Parenthood throws a record fifty million dollars into midterm elections to elect pro-abortion Democrats. Um, I think last year was forty. Last election, it was $42 million. By the way, do you know how much money they get from our tax dollars? Between $500 million and $535 million of our tax dollars. Planned Parenthood. Oh, they're a nonprofit. Right. You know how much revenue they make? Over $1 billion a year. Revenue. That's their income. They happen to get from taxpayers over $500 million, a half a billion dollars. Do you understand the back-scratching, circular uh, thing we have here where they're, they're sending money in to elect Democrats? Democrats are making sure that Planned Parenthood continue to get federal funding. It's a vicious cycle. Next, midterm adjustment. TikTok is to restrict and label political ads. And when you, do, when you hear news stories like this, you have to put political in quotes, right? What's a political ad? Um, well, anything that would be against, you know, the progressive agenda, the Democrat Party, 
um, legislation or Democrat candidates. So it's, you don't want to be political, right, if you're a Christian. Separation of church and state. Um, so let's go on to the next one. We don't need to belabor that point. This is a concerning article. Minneapolis public schools um, are saying they're going to they're defending against its agreement with the teachers union to lay off white instructors first. That's the headline. Fire whites first. And they're getting some criticism for this. Isn't that racism, by the way? So they're defending this um, agreement to lay off white instructors ahead of, ahead of less senior minority faculty. In other words, it could be a white teacher that's been in the been a teacher for 10, 20 years, and there could be a, a black or Hispanic teacher that's maybe a year or two in. Um, if they have to do any pay cuts or whatever, which they rarely do anyway, but if they have to do that, they're going to fire the white teachers. This is a new policy. The district issued a Tuesday statement after coming under criticism for language in its latest collective bargaining agreement that requires schools to make a racial exception to the first-in, last-out seniority system on staffing cuts. Spurred by all kudos to you parents who have removed your children in America. And again, I have a few Christian friends that send me information. They understand what's going on. I also report on this over at freedomproject.com, Freedom Project Media. And also, I've had teachers that have had to quit. And I come, again, I, when I criticize the education system, I make it clear I come from a family of educators, mom, dad, sisters. Uh, I come for me to report, report but this is the direction of our system. The sooner we stop living in denial, uh, the better. Next headline, we got a minute left. 44% of pregnant women miscarried after receiving Pfizer vaccine. More than 40%. Uh, it's 44%, actually. Um, Pfizer's mRNA COVID vaccine trial suffered miscarriages. And uh, this is according to Pfizer, internal Pfizer documents. The, they have been released under court order. Despite this, the Biden administration insisted that the vaccines were safe for pregnant women. What can we say, friends? They lied. And babies died. Women having miscarriages after receiving the vaccine. Government lied. Babies died. Not in all cases, but 44%. Got a lot more headlines and news to cover when we come back, including a new one on the feds and gender dysphoria next on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. More censorship of conservative and Christian outlets and even outlets that are trying to raise awareness about the medical tyranny that uh, we often have experienced in the last couple of years. A censorship attack on children's health defense, CHD. Um, by the way, phenomenal website if, you, if, if, if you want to be informed. So August 17, without, without warning, Facebook informed Children's Health Defense that the page was going to be unpublished, deplatformed. Simultaneously, their Instagram account was deplatformed. Um, each of these had hundreds of thousands of followers. I get their newsletter. Um, very important to be up to speed on what two years ago many would have considered conspiracy theories. But it's no longer a conspiracy when it comes true. More than half a million followers have been denied access to truthful information. That's the bottom line. First of all, it's in America. And who determines what's true and what's not? They don't even believe in God, so they don't believe in God's truth. So they don't have a fixed uh, foundation of what they consider true. It's so it's moral relativism. What's true for you is, is not true for me. And that's idiotic, but that's what a lot of people think. So how do you fight big tech and big pharma? Just keep praying, friends, and do what you can on social media until you're deleted or shut down. Then move on to the next platform and then do it locally with your friends. Uh, we just take, don't give up is my point. So they've, they were already, Children's Health Defense were already not able to post due to a 30-day ban. Um, and they were just, their content was censored. So deplatforming by the tech giants happened in, they, they think, because the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, quietly walked back many of their previous COVID-19 policies that have been criticized since the beginning of the pandemic. 
Within hours of Children's Health Defense uh, deplatforming, CDC director Dr. Rochelle Walensky shared her plans for overhauling how the agency works while admitting to a flawed response to the COVID-19 and pandemic missteps. Let me read that again. The CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, shared her plans for overhauling how the agency works while admitting to a flawed response to COVID-19 and pandemic missteps. What is that saying? Well, they were wrong. Not about everything necessarily, but they were wrong about an awful lot. And who spewed that? What The faulty information? What we would call misinformation, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the World Economic Forum, the Biden administration. Who spewed that? Those on the left. And here we have the CDC director saying we were wrong. Well, they, she didn't say that in those words, so please don't quote me. And yes, They d- did say <laughs> their response was flawed to the COVID-19 pandemic, and they made some missteps. Missteps. That's the CDC. Next story, WNBA star Brittany Griner. I don't know if you heard about this. Brittany Griner is appealing her conviction. Um, there's allegedly Biden is trying to work out a U.S.-Russia prisoner swap, and they're negotiating. Um, so what happened was she was sentenced to nine and a half years behind bars for bringing cannabis-infused vape cartridges to Russia. Now, she's understand who she is. She's known in some circles as a radical, a leftist, uh, Black Lives Matter uh, supporter, Marxism, right? And she goes to Russia bringing these drugs. She's very tall. She's a WNBA player, I think. I'm not even going to guess. She must be like 6'8 or something. Um, but she admitted to the crime but said she did not deliberately break the law. She said, I was in a rush packing, and the cartridges accidentally ended up in my bags. Oh, my God. This is actually in the article. It's a quote from her. I'm sorry. So um, they're appealing it. And uh, if I'll tell you what, if that was a Christian pastor arrested for, for nothing, just arrested, do you think the Biden administration would pay any attention to that or let alone try to do a prisoner swap? Of course, we know that the answer to that. So next story, Ford GM price hikes equal to Inflation Reduction Act tax credit. Here's that cycle again, the the circular insanity. According to the Daily Wire, Ford and General Motors unveiled price increases for their electric vehicle lineups as the socialist spending plan just passed out of Washington, the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, included electric vehicle tax credits. Slated to become law now, right? So now they're raising... Prices on these electric vehicles, um, $7,500 tax credits for new electric vehicles. How are they getting these tax credits? Well, some of our taxpayer dollars, $740 billion um, is apparently going to help these tax credits and going to help the car companies. But they're raising the prices. It's really crazy, isn't it? So uh, the legislation earmarks a total of $369 billion to combat, quote, the existential crisis of climate change. Note the language. It's an existential threat. I'm moving on before I get too upset. The White House is touting lower gas prices and patting themselves on the back. Did you? I'm serious. Wall Street Journal. The national average dipped to just under $4 a gallon. I remember buying gas one day for 95 cents a gallon. Um, that was when Trump was president, but I remember it went down that low. I'm going, I got to take a picture of this and I'm going to get gas because this is never going to happen again or less for a long time. So now it dips under $4 a gallon and the Biden administration is uh, spiking the ball in the end zone. <laughs> Despite prices being 67% higher now than when Biden took office. Did you hear that? So they're saying, yeah, we got gas under uh, four bucks a gallon. It's three ninety nine, and um, I'm just going to go on here. The fuel price surge has been a big factor in overall inflation, according to economists. Now, this is the Wall Street Journal. Consumers are feeling the pinch, and uh, they tend to reduce consumption. Well, gasoline was even lower. 
Jan- in January of 2021, that's right before Biden was inaugurated. Do you remember the price for gas? $2.39 a gallon. Um, so that means current prices are almost 70% higher now. And uh, let's just move on to the next one because it's just it's just insanity. What they're doing, their energy policies. Uh, we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, North Dakota, North Dakota, North Dakota. We're not talking California, Washington, Oregon. We're not talking New York, New Jersey. We're talking about North Dakota. The school board voted to X the Pledge of Allegiance before meetings. Um, now you think, okay, what, what difference does it make? It's, it's tradition and what, but we have to understand is why, why the controversy was over two words under God. So the school board nixed the resetting of the pledge, deciding it didn't align with the district's values. Let's stop right there across the country. They have values. You hear a lot from conservative organizations, Christian organizations leading up to an election talking about values voters. I don't like that terminology because even the left has values. They value abortion. They value population control. They value socialism. They value uh, higher taxes. They value weakening America. They value certain policies that you and I wouldn't agree with. They have values, and they just don't subscribe to the biblical worldview, okay? So this is... It didn't reflect the district's values. God with a capital G does not reflect the values of an overwhelming majority of school districts across the country. I don't care how small of a nation or how small of a district or school system you, you live near or in, whatever community you live in. We have to stop saying that, friends. Oh, it's happening in the big cities. It's not going to happen here. This is North Dakota. Um, they voted seven to two against, uh, seven to two in favor of dropping the pledge. They have bi-weekly meetings, so big deal, right? They're not going to acknowledge God. Well, they kicked God out in the 1960s. Why should this surprise us now? Well, we're just seeing the continued, um, just scrubbing of our history as we were founded on the Judeo-Christian worldview. Let's talk, let's just say biblical principles, principles. So, um, let's go on to the next one that all-female Nashville school to allow any student who identifies as female. Let me just shorten the headline for you. Um, girls' school going to welcome boys. That's the headline. All right, I just saved you a lot of time. Don't have to read the article now. Okay, I will. Um, an elite girls' school in Nashville, Tennessee, has implemented a new policy to allow applications from anyone who identifies as female, anyone who identifies as female, not just those who are biologically female. In an email sent to parents, the school announced it would be following a new policy that allows biological males who identify as female to be admitted to the school. (laughs) It's a gender diversity policy. You will hear more. I've been reporting on this over at Freedom Project. You will be hearing more about DEI if you haven't yet. We've been talking about this for years. DEI. What the heck is that? What are they doing in the public school system? or in, the, in the, even the university system, DEI, there are now offices of DEI. What does it stand for? Well, you keep saying DEI, David. Tell us what it is. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. DEI. Keep your eyes out for that when you hear about this in the government-run schools and the university system. And it's happening. If you're a boy but you feel like a girl and your parents say, okay, go ahead, congratulations and welcome. And this is an all is this is an elite all girls school. I can imagine what the tuition is. So let's go on to the next story. A federal appeals court recognizes gender dysphoria as legal disability. Did you hear that? A federal appeals court recognizes gender dysphoria as a legal disability. They ruled that Americans with Disabilities Act should apply to trans identified people with gender dysphoria, and that a Virginia County jail violated the federal law by segregating inmates according to their biological sex. Now, I'm just going to skip to the end of this because we've seen a lot of this. The end of this article, and this is from Decision Magazine, the presence of biological male inmates in women's prisons, this has been going on, guys, because of the, the 
insanity, the delusion and moral relativism in our culture. Um, and this is Romans 1, part of Romans 1, society. The presence of male inmates in women's prisons has caused safety concerns, you think, <laughs> among conservatives and even some liberal feminists. So even some are concerned. In July, last month, New Jersey Department of Corrections, for example, removed a biological male inmate named Demi Minor from a women's prison after, it says she, but after he, listen to this, the way it's worded, after she impregnated two female inmates. Did you hear what I just said? They removed this person named Demi Minor from a women's prison after she impregnated two female inmates. And let me just say what it, the truth. Let me just speak the truth. This is stand up for the truth. Uh, Minor, he has now been placed in a secured space inside a male prison. You know what I want to do with that one? All right. Um, I just want to mention along those same lines, this is from Peter Heck. Um, there's a Twitter war going on on this gender issue, and uh, some people are trying to expose the deadly lies of transgenderism. And let me just say this. Let's bring the Bible into this again. Jesus was serious about protecting little ones, wasn't he? What did he say? That uh, it's, it'll be, it would be better for a person to have a millstone tied around their neck. So let me just share a couple of these things real quick. Um, two tweets. This is from someone saying, I am Watson. I had gender dysphoria. According to myself... And my gender clinic, who quickly diagnosed me with it and treated me with cross-sex hormones and surgery. I regret it. I exist. You just ignored my other issues. I'll never forgive you. Here's another one from Grace. I got hormones after, hormones after a 10-minute assessment. I got top surgery. What does that mean? Her breasts removed. Mastectomy. I got top sur- a top surgery letter after a few hours of therapy. I take responsibility for my choices, but I was unwell when I made them. I'll always wish that my health care providers had helped me instead of enabling my self-harm. And we reported a few days ago earlier this week that the Boston Children's Hospital will now give young girls hysterectomies <laughs> because of how they identify. The first step is to remove her uterus. And this is what's going on, guys, even in the medical community. Raising awareness, you know what the Bible says about these things and how the direction of our culture is going. It's easy to see the signs, but we still have to expose the darkness, okay? Thank you again so much for sharing the podcast. It's been a great week. I hope you think so, too. Next week, J.B. Hickson, Alex Newman, Billy Crone, Pastor Jack Hibbs, and Claude Stoffer. Then Laura Perry, Doreen Virtue, and more. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.